What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Hoop Culture Podcast. My name is Dakota Haynes, lead NBA reporter and COO of Phantom Sports Industries. But you already knew that. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Make sure to hit the like button. Make sure to follow us on all of our social medias. Stay connected with us here at Phantom Sports Industries. Uh, we plan on being the best of the best when it comes to sports media. So, with that being said, on this episode, I've got some more news for you. I'm going to dive into as much of this news as possible, uh, give you some updates, give you whatever you expect. I hope to have it for you right here. But with that being said, I do have some guests coming on within the next couple of weeks uh, and next couple of months. I have a former top prospect in the state of Washington coming on uh, to the show. I think two weeks from now, I'll have to double check the date on that. But I've also got a college coach who was actually just promoted to director of athletics at the school that he helped put on the map in the basketball world of NCAA Division II. So, with that being said, stay tuned on the podcast. Great things coming for it. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. But jumping into today's news, the first topic that I'm talking about is the memo that the NBA just sent out about Damian Lillard's trade request. Now, the Blazers have been trying to accommodate the request that Damian Lillard has made, but there's also some unhappy thoughts about that. Both James Harden and Austin Rivers uh, have addressed the request themselves, but the NBA has responded with an unhappy memo. Now, according to the memo, Lillard or his agent, Aaron Goodwin, could face discipline from the league if they make any further comments on exclusively targeting one team for a potential trade. The memo said this, recent media reports stated that Damian Lillard's agent, Goodwin, called multiple NBA teams to warn them against trading for Lillard because Lillard's only desired trade destination is Miami. Goodwin also made public comments indicating that Lillard would not fully perform the services called for under his player contract if traded to another team. The memo, obtained by Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report, states, now, due to the reports, the NBA conducted some interviews with both Goodwin and Lillard. They interviewed Goodwin and Lillard and also spoke with several NBA teams to whom Goodwin spoke with. Goodwin denied stating or indicating that any team, to any team, that Lillard would refuse to play for them. Both affirmed to us that Lillard would fully perform the services called for under his player contract in any trade scenario. Now, the relevant teams provided descriptions of their communications with Goodwin that were mostly, though not entirely consistent, with Goodwin's statements to the NBA. So the NBA put the memo out stating that Lillard and Goodwin were encouraged not to make any 
remarks suggesting that the star would refuse to fully perform the services called for under his player contract in the event of a trade. Any future comments made privately to teams or publicly suggesting that Lillard will not do so will subject Lillard to be disciplined by the NBA. The NBA has also advised the Players Association that any similar comments by players or their agents will be subject to discipline going forward. This is a good move by the NBA. Now, there's been several times where a player has tried to change the narrative of where they may go and who they may play for, right? There's been teams and players where a player has only wanted to play for one team, but the team also has to look out for what their future is and what they're getting back in a trade for a star guy. So, ideally, the Blazers don't have to trade Damian Lillard to Miami if that's where he wants to play. Now, if the Blazers want to do right by Lillard, sure, they might have to trade him to Miami. But, that also doesn't guarantee them that they're going to get back what they need in to help them in the future. You take a look at what a possible return could be. You're talking picks and the idea of getting first round picks. That spectrum is pretty wide. You're talking... A package based on unprotected firsts from franchises such as Minnesota, the Charlotte Hornets. Those are going to be more attractive. And for Lillard, you'd hope for at least three or four quality first rounders with a swap or two thrown in. But then you have to take a look at the salaries and the players that you're going to be bringing in as well. Uh, So ideally, you would hope for one to two young players with a high ceiling on a rookie scale, or team-friendly deals who that are usually the benchmark in deals like this. For the Blazers, Tyler Hero misses that cut for two reasons. They already have a collection of young guards and wings, including a similar, cheaper, and arguably better player in both Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp. Second, Hero isn't good enough to be the centerpiece in a deal that yields Damian Lillard, especially with multiple picks coming back. So, you also have to take a look at that salary matching, salary similar exchange uh, for Lillard's $45 million next season. You're going to have to bring in some bad deals as well. You can't just get young guys. Now, For the Heat, a guy that could match the salary and help the Blazers as well, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, potential salary ballasts there, decent prospects that you could get back from Miami, Jamie Jacquez, Nikola Jovic, Caleb Martin, and then two future firsts and a pick swap as well. These aren't guys that are going to be bell ringers 
for the first couple of years, Jovich is a prospect. Jacquez, a prospect. Martin is a nice role player, but he's also entering his 28-year-old season. So the return that the Blazers would get for Lillard is less than ordinary and not ideal. The Clippers are a little bit better, but the prospects just not really there. And three quarters of the veterans that you might have to bring into Portland have played in Portland before. So not really good options. Philadelphia is complicated because they have prior obligations to Thunder and the 76ers when it comes to their picks. So not really a good opportunity there for Portland. So now you're getting into the teams that are starting to look more likely and more ideal for Portland. You've got the Knicks. And don't get me wrong, Stephen A. Smith is going to be happy about this one. Salary Ballast, Evan Fournier. Decent prospects, Mitchell Robinson, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride. All decent prospects, especially Mitchell Robinson. The Blazers can land Mitchell Robinson, put him alongside Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant. Robinson might fit. It's a very young, athletic group. And they also have all of their future firsts. Plus, future protected firsts from the Mavs, the Pistons, the Wizards, and the Bucks. It's a lot of picks that Portland could go get right there. Pistons, picks, might be interesting to grab. Wizards, might be interesting. Now, sure, New York is not anywhere near winning a championship, but pairing a guy with Lillard like Julius Randle not a bad option for the New York Knicks then you're talking the Boston Celtics obviously you'd have to bring in a guy like Jalen Brown Al Horford Malcolm Brogdon now Derek White Celtics have most of their picks except a swap with the Spurs in 2028. So it's not a bad option. But then we're talking the Brooklyn Nets. Salary ballasts. You could say Ben Simmons, who is still a young player. Dorian Finney-Smith. Royce O'Neal. Decent prospects to bring in. Nick Claxton. Cam Thomas. De'Ron Sharp. The Nets have no short to medium firsts of their own. They have four Suns firsts and future firsts from the Mavericks and the 76ers. Lillard has named the Nets as an interesting landing spot in the past, but omitted to them when it came time to actually announcing the trade request. So, interestingly enough, maybe the Blazers do move in there. Maybe he comes out and says, hey, 
maybe a deal isn't going to get done with Miami. Here's a couple of other teams that I would be interested in, which tends to happen for many players. So, the Toronto Raptors could be another possible option. Salary ballasts include Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Chris Boucher, that young. Though, in a deal that you're getting Damian Lillard, I don't really think that the Raptors are going to look to trade Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi for that matter. So Chris Boucher and Thad Young are probably the better options there. Then decent prospects consist of Scotty Barnes, Grady Dick, Precious Achiua, Christian Coloco. And the Raptors have a short-term obligation to the Spurs when it comes to their picks. But after that obligation is met, they own all their future firsts. So, that's a good option. Pelicans, good option as well. You could go back out and trade uh, Damian Lillard for CJ McCollum. Another salary ballast is Jonas Valanciunas, Larry Nance Jr. Decent prospects, Zion Williamson, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy... Jose Alvarado. The Pelicans own all of their firsts, a Lakers first, and a couple of Bucks firsts, including swaps. Though, the Blazers probably have no ambition to bring back CJ McCollum. A third team would have to get involved if the former Lehigh prospect was included in a Lillard swap. There were rumors that the Pelicans were sending Williamson to Portland. For their third pick and Anthony Simons leading up to the draft. So is Lillard a good enough player for David Griffin to give up on the Pelicans? And the on Williamson? The big guy's got to get his body right. But if he does, he'd be a great fit next to Henderson and Sharp. Considering that he's still only 23 years old. So with that being said, another option and two more options here. Uh, the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. With the Jazz, you could get Colin Sexton, Talon Horton Tucker, decent prospects, Taylor Hendricks, Walker Kessler, Keontae George. They owe their pick next season to the Thunder, but they're free after that. They also have a collection of Wolves and Cavs firsts. And they own a top four protected Lakers pick in 2027. So good options there for the Utah Jazz. Plus the Jazz are a team on the rise. So you trade Lillard to the Jazz. He might be happy. Then you have the San Antonio Spurs who just drafted Victor Wimbanyama in the 2023 NBA Draft. Salary ballast here would be Doug McDermott. That's the only option. Then you've got decent prospects in Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sokan, Devin Vessel. They own all of their firsts, plus a collection of Hawks firsts, a Raptors first, and a Hornets first. And a top 11 protected Bulls first in 2025. So, 
a lot of good options there for Portland to make uh, when it comes to trading Damian Lillard. Whether that deal is done before the season begins, still yet to be determined. Portland isn't close to any teams that we know of so far. But, Lillard is going to have to play wherever he lands. And even if he doesn't land anywhere, and Portland either convinces him, hey, we've built a team that is going to be able to win a championship, or they still plan on trading him, just can't get a deal done right away, he's going to have to continue to play for the Blazers. At least until the contract is up after next season. Not this upcoming season, but the season after. Now, I mentioned Jalen Brown in the Celtics potential trade for Damian Lillard. But let's talk about Jalen Brown and his contract. So, that contract that he got, richest contract in NBA history. No question about it that Jalen Brown is a good prospect. But is he really worth $304 million? His playoff resume might not say so. But, keep in mind that he's a rising star in the NBA over the past four seasons. We're seeing contracts across the sports industry starting to get higher and higher with no signs of slowdown. The NBA revenue is growing, which will result in both a salary cap increase and bigger contracts for more players. And teams and league governors are not going to hold the power over players like they used to. But, teams will be able to keep their stars. Now, for the Boston Celtics, on paper, re-signing Jalen Brown was the right thing to do. The Celtics have championship aspirations heading into next season. And Brown is a player that can contribute in many ways. Not only is he a scoring threat, but he's a threat to get inside and grab the rebounds. As a shooting guard. So even if those playoff struggles continue to happen. Keeping a two-time All-Star. Like Brown. And signing him to an extension now. Is smart. Especially when Jason Tatum will be due for an extension next season. The Celtics added Kristaps Porzingis. Which makes them even more of a threat in the East. But. When you take a look at what this deal means for the NBA, it's the first that has happened of this caliber. I myself was in utter disbelief when I saw the number come across for this deal. I was like, there's no way a player just earned that much money. And I might have admitted to... 
some family and friends that Brown could be overpaid here. But looking back over the last week or two, he's actually not. With contracts set to continue getting higher, this is the right deal for the Celtics. So ideally, this was not a bad move by the Celtics front office at all. It's not a bad contract. It's just the first we've seen this large. But with that being said, who are guys that will yield contracts larger than this? Well, one of them I've already spoken of. Damian Lillard. Another one. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Jason Tatum. Nikola Jokic. Kevin Durant. Devin Booker, maybe. Lots of guys there that over the next couple of seasons, we could see those numbers go higher and higher and higher. We could see somebody make $75 million a season in a couple of years. Maybe even 100 Is any player worth $100 million a year? But... I don't know about that, but it could happen. And we've just got to be prepared for when it does. So LeBron James Jr., one of the top prospects in all of basketball, not just because of his dad's name, but because of how he played in high school, how good he was. Bronny went into cardiac arrest last Monday. Now he's been discharged from the hospital and is resting at home. But you have to take a look at the fact that he might not touch a basketball and play for a little while longer. It takes a little bit to recover from cardiac arrest. Potentially several weeks to a few months or longer. It all depends on his body. And I'm sure the doctors are going to be checking in on him. Making sure that he's good. He's probably going to be limited in practices for the first couple of weeks when he gets back to playing. Which is unfortunate news for... University of South California because their freshman was just starting to play basketball uh, there at the university with the team set for an ex exhibition tour in Croatia and Greece. Brawny was getting prepared for that. Now, LeBron posted to X, formerly known as Twitter, a statement that his family was safe and healthy and a message of gratitude. That message said, 
I want to thank the countless people sending my love, excuse me, my family love and prayers. We feel you. I'm so grateful. Everyone doing great. We have our family together, safe and healthy, and we feel your love. We'll have more to say when we're ready, but I wanted to tell everyone how much your support has meant to us all. Hashtag James Gang. So more is going to come out of this. James has not tweeted anything or posted anything on social media since. And he's probably going to take his time to get back into that. There's no rush. I mean, his son, cardiac arrest is not a easy thing to deal with. It's scary. It's very scary. But with that being said, LeBron James Jr., Bronny, from all of us here at Phantom Sports, we're praying for you. We're hoping you get back out on the court very soon. We're excited about the future of you at USC and potentially you playing with your dad as the first father-son combo to play in the NBA together in the future. Now, last piece of news that I have for you today here on the show is that Kevin Durant helped get weed unbanned in the NBA for the players. And many players were probably ecstatic to hear that the substance was no longer banned. And that's not because they're abusing it, but more so using it as a relaxation technique to give their bodies more rest and relax from the pain that is caused by constantly playing basketball. Take it from a guy who is a sports official outside of recording this podcast, outside of running my COO duties of Phantom Sports. Durant replied with, he was recently on a podcast or on a show with CNBC, Andrew Sorkin. of the New York Times colonist editor but he was talking about the business ventures in the marijuana industry and his talk with Adam Silver about the marijuana becoming an unbanned substance. Silver could smell the marijuana on Durant when he walked into that meeting. And here's what Durant replied with. Well, he smelled it when I w walked in, so I didn't really have mu to say much. You know what I'm saying. He kind of understood where this was going. It's the NBA, man. Everybody does it. To be honest, it's like wine at this point. 
I just felt like it was becoming a thing around the country, around the world. The stigma behind it wasn't as negative as it was before. It doesn't affect you in a negative way. Now, I'm not saying I do any marijuana, but as somebody as a sports official, you constantly have to take pain medication just to keep your body up to date, to keep your body healthy, to keep your body going. As somebody who is constantly running, somebody who is playing a sport, playing constantly active. But Durant has been an advocate for the cannabis product to be removed from the banned substance list for several years now. It just doesn't make sense for it to be a banned substance today. In today's world, there is a higher percentage of someone that might die or severely cause harm to their bodies by taking pain medications on a regular basis rather than using the product such as marijuana. Durant responded with, I just enjoy the plant. It's as simple as that. And there's benefits to show that athletes and not athletes should be able to use it. Such as relaxation, rest, pain relief. The list can go on and on and on. But that's all we've got for today's show. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I'm going to have more podcasts coming up for you. I'm going to try to do multiple podcasts a week uh, here starting in the future. I've got some ideas rolling in. Um, but stay tuned. We here at Phantom Sports are excited about the future. And we enjoy and appreciate the fact that you care about our company as much as you do. Thank you for watching. My name is Dakota Haynes. I'm the COO and elite NBA reporter right here at phantomsportsindustries.com. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Make sure to hit that like button. Make sure to follow us on all of our social medias. Stay connected with Phantom Sports. Thank you. And until next week, so long.